Yes. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to the Bitcoin Stoa. So for any first-time listeners here today, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. If you enjoyed listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code at our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com, or you can stream some sats with the Breeze app through their podcast feature, which is like a magical example of internet, uh, of beautiful internet money. With that said, uh, it's my honor to welcome Julian Linegar, who has kindly carved out 45 minutes out of his schedule today to be with us. Julian, welcome to the Stoa. Hello, guys. Thank you very much on, uh, for having me on this uh, on this store that I only just started. Very happy to uh, be part of new projects always. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for the generosity with your time because I'm sure uh, you're a busy dude. So let's get right into it. And today I'd like to cover three things. I want to start with your Bitcoin story. I want to talk about your mission at Relay, uh, the project that you're leading. And I want to break down a tweet that you made on September 26th. But I'll, I'll repeat the tweet at the end to give context. And if we have questions at the end, we'll do a few rapid fire questions um, that I like to ask people. But let's start with your Bitcoin story, you know, how you found Bitcoin, what got you interested and sort of where it's brought you on on the kind of journey, because Bitcoin is sort of like this perpetual journey we all go down uh, up until today. I'd love to I'd love to hear it if you're willing to share. Sure, sure. So my Bitcoin journey started in 2015 when I was talking to a good friend of mine. He was a kind of a more the techie profile, whereas I'm really not a techie at all. Like I can't really read one line of code of my own app. I'm really, really bad. And like, I can't code and, and I'm actually quite bad in technology. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but uh, I was, I was, you know, more the business guy and, and but, but hanging out with this friend who was a techie uh, at his place. And, uh, you know, we were just uh, chilling, eating some pizza and, and being, at, you know, uh, sitting in front of our laptops and he was showing me, uh, this uh, this thing called Bitcoin. And it's like, did, did you know this shit? Like, it's a, it's a cool, funny internet money thing. It's going up and down in price. You can actually trade it. You can there, there are some other funny coins with funny names, and you can trade them all around and stuff. And I was like, cool. And it's actually going up and down. And so he's like, yeah, yeah. He he actually made some money with it and stuff. And I was like, cool. I want to get into it as well. So I started trading a little bit, but it was too complicated for me to set all these accounts up and stuff. So I traded basically through him. So I gave him 500 bucks for my own first Bitcoin because I said I want to own one Bitcoin. 500 bucks was a lot for me back then because I was I was still studying. Um, so 2015, I was uh, 22 or something. I'm now 28. Um, so um, yeah, he basically then bought me a Bitcoin and sent it to, to, to a wallet that I then controlled, which I thought was cool. So I had this Bitcoin that I had no uh, exchange account or anything. And then when it went up 10% in price, uh, I thought I was the coolest guy in the world, you know, making 50 bucks in, in a week or two. And I sent him back the Bitcoin and told him to uh, to sell it. And he gave me back the cash. <laughs> so <laughs> That's that, was, that was my first, uh, that was my first uh, experience with it. And then I didn't really get it until 2017. I was also always following it a little bit. I also remember in 2016, I wanted to be, I wanted to buy some ETH um, when, when they did their ICO, but I also, again, because I was too stupid, I couldn't really get to it. I didn't manage to, to do the process. Uh, the onboarding process was too complicated for me. Um, kind of regretted uh, regretted it uh, back then, not anymore, but back then. And um, yeah, just read about it from time to time, but not, you know, uh, really got deep into it in the beginning of 2017 when I actually did, you know, take time to do my first research. Um, and then <clears throat> basically from there on, I, I invested the 
yeah, more, more of my time and money always gradually until 2018. I decided I really want to make this also my professional uh, uh, thing. And I started my first company, which was a consulting company. So we advised uh, or still do advise and educate uh, financial companies like um, asset managers, banks um, uh, on, on Bitcoin and also, you know, blockchain, crypto finance. So they also want to know about that, but mainly Bitcoin. Um, and uh, and then my second company, obviously, Relay now, which is uh, which takes most of my time uh, as, as the co-founder and CEO of Relay, which is... Uh, uh, we, we try to be the world's uh, easiest Bitcoin app uh, made in Switzerland. Powerful, dude. That's what a wild ride going from, okay, I'm kind of interested in this. And it's funny that you mentioned you invested time and money. And it seems like those two are intrinsically coupled, right? Like the more time you invest, the more you understand how, how amazing this technology is, the more confidence you have to put your money in. And it's almost like they have to move forward together in order for it to be sustainable. Um, and I love that you just dove right in. You're like, okay, this is amazing enough that I want to dedicate my time towards building companies around this. And mm -hmm. um, they're totally yeah, related. Like this money and money and time thing is, is very, uh, very, a very good point you're you're, you're making. Because that's, so I, I invest a little bit of money, and then basically just because it was the 2017 bull bull run, it went up like. 10x or something and and then with this man i thought like wow cool easy money but i was not i didn't understand it like fully profoundly what it would mean for the next 10 to 20 years what would actually happen and how much it actually will appreciate in the long run i was more thinking about it as as speculation still and so i thought there was some kind of value but i didn't fully get how big the value was so i thought okay cool free money uh let's go to to the states so i traveled to the states for half a year and did an exchange semester there like paid it out all with my kind of uh, Bitcoin gains. I was not into hodling then. I was just like, cool, free money. Let's, let's, uh, let's spend it, right? I spent it and I had a great time, obviously. And then when I was there, I also depth, I got deeper and deeper in listening to podcasts and stuff like that. And I remember this one situation where I thought after this one podcast, I don't know what, what it was, maybe Marty Bent or something like Tales from the Crypt, I think. I was so hyped up about this thing that I thought like, come on, and I didn't have a lot of money, right? But I think I thought like, okay, let's, let's just go all in. Let's buy five, six Bitcoins I could probably afford back then and even maybe take a loan out and, you know, let's just really go all in because that's, that's going to be amazing. And I think Bitcoin was at like 10K or so uh, back then. And I didn't do it because I did not invest enough time probably back then to really understand it. If I would have understood it at the level I understand it now, it's still obviously I'm not at the bottom of the rabbit hole, uh, totally not, but still I understand it way more. So my risk kind of profile or my openness to invest like a big, like the, the majority of my money into it is, is, is there, is there now where it wasn't, it wasn't there back then. So it, that, this definitely correlates a lot. Yeah. The conviction comes through understanding. There's no way to cheat it, right? The cheat code to having conviction is actually deeply under. And, and like you said, everyone's definition of understanding it enough to go all in is based on your risk tolerance. Uh, and sort of f your familiarity, I guess, with how money works. Um, and now it, it sounds like your initial experience of having it be very difficult for a non-tech savvy person to get onboarded into an exchange process and all the, you know, all the hoops you have to jump through with submitting documentation and doing all this. It sounds like that was a contributor to your project, I relay of making the world's easiest way to buy Bitcoin. Is that, is it, did it kind of stem from that you think? Absolutely. Spot on. 100%. So, I mean, it was really, for me, a pain in the ass 
for myself to get in easily, like to easily just convert some of my fiat money to Bitcoin and also to set up a savings plan, you know, because I when when once I understood it, I saw it as a savings technology and I wanted to put, you know, 10% of my monthly income just straight into Bitcoin because that, that makes sense. You know, the, the capital that you don't don't use in the next half a year or a year, just put it into Bitcoin, right? That was my thinking. So, and there was no way how to do this easily, uh, to get into Bitcoin easily, to put up a savings plan easily. So I thought this is a solution that needs needs to be there. For I want this for myself, but I also um, then kind of recognize the exact same problem uh, with, with people around me. So, it, and it was even worse. So these people then even did not make, I mean, at least I did, I, I did make the step in the end and got into Bitcoin and did my kind of dollar cost average on a monthly basis, just manually. But they, a lot of these people, it was, they, they wanted to get into Bitcoin, but they couldn't, or they would stop like nine out of 10. I tried to, you know, hook them up with exchanges and everything. And but it was too complicated for most of them. And like eight, eight out of 10, just, uh, you know, quit the process. So um, that's yeah, why the friction, I felt like, the, the yeah, friction of it's too complicated. Yeah. And I think, you know, you see it every day, new, uh, whether it's education to help reduce the friction to being able to understand Bitcoin or uh, infrastructure being built to reduce the friction of being able to acquire Bitcoin and safely self-custody. Like every single time friction goes down and it's easier to acquire Bitcoin, uh, it creates a bigger inflow. It's a it's a more welcoming on-ramp, right? For my mom to acquire Bitcoin, she needed something like an ETF to start. And now she needs something that is a very welcoming on-ramp for her to be able to take on some responsibility for self-custodying. And it's so cool to see everyone around the world working on reducing the friction in different innovative ways. And so maybe this is a good way to kind of move into your mission at Relay. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw a pitch video of you uh, where you said that your mission was to make Bitcoin accessible to everyone by simplifying the acquisition process with your app. And is this, you know, still the mission at Relay today? And where are you with your development? Like what has, um, what's exciting you most and what are you kind of uh, working on as your core mission at, at Relay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's st still the same mission. We want to make Bitcoin you know, easily accessible for everyone, um, even you know, the taxi drivers, the, 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 the whatever, you know, the, the, the retail shop uh, workers, the construction site workers, all these people who have no idea, no interest in finance and technology and whatever. But I think everybody has an interest in putting their wealth into, into the best savings technology that there is. So everybody should have access to it. And, and our kind of mission statement or how, you know, our mission pitch would be, we want to get some Bitcoin into everyone's pocket. Uh, so it should be just as easy and you know, everybody should have Bitcoin on their fingertips and, and get, get a savings plan up and running regularly safe in Bitcoin. I think that would eventually make uh, the world a better place for, for, um, you know, for individuals but then also for you know society as a whole, um, and where where we are at now. Look, as I said, I, I kind of spotted, or we we then the team uh, back then spotted this this need of 
okay, there is a lot of demand. Like people actually want to get in because once they start getting it, they, they want uh, uh, to put some of their capital into Bitcoin, but there is kind of this problem that it's too complicated. So let's just simplify it. And then uh, this, this, should, um, uh, this should solve a lot of problems for, for people and they would be willing to pay. So there's a business opportunity as well. Well, that's what we did. Um, so it's like uh, one and a half, two years uh, ago, we um, we came out with the first um, basically prototype or MVP um, to the market, and then it it grew like we 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 hit traction from the beginning. So the market validated it uh, quite nicely. Um, here in Europe, we're only live in Europe. Um, so uh, and then we we kind of grew from there. We managed to do fundraising. We managed to build a team. We're now twelve people. By the end of the year, we'll be fifteen people working full time on this. Um, and and yeah. So what 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 concerns us the most now um, is to make really out of this MVP that works well. Uh, we would like to make it like a more professional uh, thing, really a thing that people can trust and rely on, a service that that is stable, that, that has a, a product roadmap and develops further and is scalable and can really onboard kind of the world or, or like the whole Europe. Um, and and for that we we did invest quite a lot in operational excellence, you know, with all the contracts that we needed with full-time employees, uh, with with an organization that works. Um, we have a legal broker license now. We're officially kind of a Swiss broker business, you know, um, a financial intermediary. Um, and also from the technical point of view, like we needed to scale up the, the whole infrastructure, front end of the app, back end of the app, and the whole broker engine. Um, so we built this all. Uh, we, we were a lot into building um, the last uh, couple of months. And now in, in November, actually, we will come out with a whole new kind of Relay 2.0, where uh, we will be way more prof uh, kind of professional, uh, scalable, uh, reliable uh, than before. Also more stylish, like we have a little brand refresh and then the UX UI is even simpler than before and the, the fees will be lower and so on and so forth. So it's going to be be amazing um and yeah that's kind of where where we are at and we're also listening to our community a lot when it comes to you know what features they would they would like to see uh, what pain points they still have what needs and then then our roadmap is basically basically building up upon the community feedback uh, that we respect a lot dude wow that's a lot you're doing a lot and congratulations yeah. on all the growth i mean the mm -hmm. The scale, the size, or the magnitude of the opportunity is directly correlated to the size of the problem. And right now, the problem is not that is not working on Bitcoin. It's getting people access to Bitcoin. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, sometimes I describe it as electricity. Um, I think people often hit the obstacle of being like, well, I can't understand it. It's too complex. It's like, well, I don't understand how to use how electricity works, right? It's magic to me. But I do know how to turn a light switch on and off. I do know mm -hmm. that my life is better with electricity than without. And mm. I think for most people, they're living in like the financial dark age without electricity, without light. And when you show them that, even just at a superficial level, that Bitcoin solves a problem of giving everyone access to a sovereign savings account. And you kind of explain that. And you know, by default, you have to explain why the existing system is broken because people fundamentally don't understand what is happening and who is stealing their time without telling them. But once they kind of get it, and if they're open-minded, um, then they start to realize, wow, yeah, electricity sounds or Bitcoin sounds like it would make my life better. How mm -hmm. do I start acquiring it? How do I have a touch point to actually start using this, not to understand every nuance of it, um, but like actually just begin interacting with it. And I think having something that's very intuitive, very simple, 
um, and very elegant in terms of an application that literally allows anyone to go in there in a short period of time in an intuitive process, acquire Bitcoin, uh, really resonates home the magic that this is accessible. Like that's part of the core ethos of Bitcoin is accessibility, permissionless. And um, so right now, like what in terms of your core product, is it... um, like in terms of, is it a wallet? Is it an exchange? What, how would you describe it? Like it, it sound, my interpretation of it is that it is a, um, an exchange of a minimally, uh, an exchange with minimal requirements to participate that is non-custodial and sends you your Bitcoin once you purchase it. Is that correct? That's basically correct. So it's, you can think of it as a mix between a wallet and an exchange. So it does basically the, 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 the good things of of both of them. So you can imagine. I know, I know you don't have access to the app because you live in in Canada. It's only available for Europeans. But um, I checked before we went live. I was like, I gotta get right. this thing. <laughs> now there's an APK. If you're an Android user, you can download the APK. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, so you download the app from the App Store if you're in Europe, and then uh, you have in this. And once you start the app, it creates a wallet on on your phone. So you have a non-custodial wallet where you can hold your own private key. No one else has access. You you hold your private key on your phone. Really? Uh, You've got the seed words. And then you have a, a, a send and receive function. So you can do whatever you can do with, with a wallet. It's just very, you know, simplified. Um, and then uh, you can also have, you also have a buy and a sell button. So you can buy and sell Bitcoin directly through bank account, uh, like bank bank transfers so far. We are also uh, working on implementing other payment methods like uh, PayPal, credit card, um, you know, uh, Apple Pay, whatever. Um, and then you can buy and sell directly from your bank account right now um, uh, from 10 bucks already. And without, and that's the cool thing, without uh, any, you know, KYC, AML, document uploading, verification, account creation, really nothing. You don't even need to provide your name, your email address, your phone number, nothing. You just start, you just say how much you want to buy, like, let's say 100 bucks one time, or also like on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, savings plan. Let's say I want to buy 100 bucks on a weekly basis, then you get like a bill. Um, and like an invoice, you send the money to that invoice and you get the Bitcoin back to your uh, wallet. And then from there, you can basically do whatever you want. You can also send it to, an, uh, to a hardware wallet and whatever. So this is like complete, like one app. You can do whatever you want in the most, uh, do whatever you want with Bitcoin, buy, sell, send, receive, store in the most easiest way possible without any KYC onboarding, nothing. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you need to get to Canada because that sounds like something that I definitely want and need. Um, and I, I guess my question is, how do you get around all the submission of personal information and KYC stuff? Because that, I mean, that is really what Bitcoin, what Bitcoiners want, right? They want non-KYC coins. They want to be able to maintain their privacy. Um, but it seems like all the exchanges that you're going to find in North America have a mandatory requirement for document submission. So how do you get around that? And do you foresee you being able to keep that quality internationally, uh, you know, part of this makes me just want to go to Europe so that I can bring a phone with me and just do this there, <laughs> like call yeah. the plane ticket to go there and do it. But it, it sounds very simple in terms of like send, receive, buy, sell, connected to your bank account, no KYC, quick activation. Dude, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so how do you get around those requirements? Yeah, it's unfortunately only possible within the Swiss uh, oh, okay. system. So Got that's Swiss why- awesomeness. Yeah, yeah, this is actually exactly yeah. That's why you don't find it really in 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 North America or basically 
wherever, even not in other European countries, it's really a Swiss thing. Um, so in Switzerland, uh, KYC, AML, so know your customer, anti-money laundering, all these uh, checks that you need to do before you do any financial transaction in any other country, usually you do not have to do in Switzerland up to a certain amount. And this amount is also changing. So uh, right now it's 1K per day and 100K per year, which is still, you know, easy. That's, it's, that's it's a big amount. For, yeah, it's a big amount for retail investors for sure. Uh, but it was 5K back last year, still 5K per day, which was cool. Now it went down this year and it will even go down next year to 1K per month and 12K per year. So this is kind of under, this limit is under pressure. But gotcha. in, in Switzerland, um, the, the thing is that if you stay under this limit, you count as a money exchange business. So you just exchange money with one person, one counterparty back and forth between fiat and Bitcoin or between fiat and gold or whatever, you know, as long as you're only an exchange business, then you do not have to do all these KYC, email registration stuff with your, um, with your uh, customers. You don't have to verify your customers and also not the source of the funds and stuff up until this, um, uh, this limit. So that's what, that's kind of the trick that, that we are using. Um, but we can bring it technically and legally to the whole world. Right now, we're just for, for business reasons, we're focusing on uh, Europe. But um, in the end, it's like you can imagine you if you if you live in the UK, for example, you can still use it because even though it would be illegal in your country, but it's like you travel digitally to Switzerland, use the service, and travel back. It's like in Switzerland, for example, smoking weed is illegal, but we can just travel to Amsterdam and there it's legal, and then we can smoke weed and it's it's fine, you know. This is kind yeah. of the same thing. There you go. You come to Canada, smoke weed because it's legal. I'll go to Switzerland by the right. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I really like that, and it's like you know, you always hear about Switzerland being being a, a hub for finance, right? Like a Swiss bank account used to be a sentence people would say when they wanted financial sovereignty, uh, mm -hmm. like a bank account in the Caymans or a Swiss bank account. And I think it's really cool that they're still honoring that kind of um, legacy, although it sounds like that amount is getting less and less, but hopefully they, I mean, it sounds like Switzerland is going to find their niche, right? If they know that a, you're getting a ton of business because Switzerland preserves this notion that we don't need to know everything about you if you're below a certain amount, you know, hopefully that amount is, is enough that people will, because I mean, if that app was available in Canada, I would be using it right now, literally, because that sounds like a way better ex financial experience in terms of acquiring Bitcoin uh, than what I currently have available. So yeah, I look forward to, I hope you have some global domination plans because I think you have a really high capacity for that. And Thank I guess one more question before we get into your tweet is how does Switzerland view uh, Bitcoin in terms of like capital gains, in terms of uh, taxation? Like what is the, what is the, the, the vibe right now in terms of how Switzerland mm -hmm. is looking, viewing Bitcoin as an asset or a, or a money? Yeah, Switzerland's actually pretty cool uh, towards and around Bitcoin. Um, they, were, they, were, they were quite early uh, with kind of not accepting it maybe, but being open to it. Um, also sensing the kind of, uh, you know, uh, business, uh, as, you, yeah. as you mentioned, that can come from that. And so from, from the start, basically, uh, from when it was started to be cool, <laughs> kind of in 2014, 15, 16, the, the regulators were open to it. Everything is quite, uh, was quite welcoming. They, tried, they also tried hard to understand it. And I think they made a great job in understanding it and really caring about it and, and really regulate it 
towards a point that is still okay to do you know the innovation that that is needed um and, uh, and so right now you can actually in some cantons like switzerland is also organized in different uh, areas called cantons but uh, in some cantons you can actually pay your uh, tax already in in bitcoin um and uh, you know in in the in the parliament and like the highest politician in the government and stuff they they do uh, acknowledge you know bitcoin being an, an interesting innovation and they they really uh, are outspoken about not wanting it to to be regulated to death uh, so they want to foster it they see it as a financial innovation that that definitely makes sense obviously most of them don't really understand it like to the deep level like how it, what it actually could mean yet, for, for the whole world in the next 10 years yet absolutely i, I think they they are in a good way to do that they're, they're definitely not they're, there's not going to be a a, a, a a legal regulatory breakdown on it or anything in switzerland so that's quite that's quite clear that that we are going to into the right direction nevertheless there is pressure from other countries uh, like the US or like uh, Europe, the Euro European Union, um, that sometimes uh, we see those changes, like for example, the decrease of this uh, uh, KYC free limit um, for Bitcoin, which is bad, but they're also, they are also quite close to the Bitcoin community, which is being becoming stronger and stronger and, and also more vocal and more powerful, obviously more wealthy. <laughs> so they are kind of, um, open to that and listening to the to the community as well um which which is really really cool so i would i would say definitely a positive environment still and and even the highest kind of um uh, politician committee which is called the bundesrat so the federal council in, in switzerland they actually i think already in 2018 or 2019 um, kind of called the the, the, the call switzerland the crypto valley or, or and, and zug the crypto I mean, no, Zug, the crypto valley and Switzerland, the crypto nation. So they really wanted to show the world, you know, we are open to this and they still are. Powerful Switzerland. Yes. I love that. I love hearing that. That makes me very happy. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Let's finish off by talking about, uh, let's do kind of a tweet breakdown on a tweet that you made on September 26th of 2021. I'll read the tweet. And then I'd love to hear a little bit of um, sort of you explaining what made you want to tweet this, what the impetus was, but also what it means to you. So the tweet, like I said, on September 26th uh, is Bitcoin is more than money. It's a culture. It's a community. It's a way of life. And I think that I, I read that and I read it several times and I was like, that is a powerful, there's a lot packed into that. So can you unpack it a little bit for us and explain what you meant and how, uh, what meaning, I guess, those words uh, carry for you? So it's a culture, it's a community, it's a way of life beyond just being money. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for this appreciation. I actually don't really think a lot before I tweet stuff. So I kind of get, it's, it's surprising to me that it touches people uh, sometimes, but thank, thanks for, uh, for letting me know. Um, and, and sure, I mean, as I said, I really didn't maybe think this through. It's just an intuition. Um, but I feel like the first thing that people, when people get into Bitcoin and I, I, I I know from my own journey how I kind of my perception of Bitcoin developed. And I see this in so many journeys with, you know, uh, friends, colleagues, um, uh, family members that get into Bitcoin or got into Bitcoin after me. And then I can, you know, um, uh, accompany them for a couple of months and years. And I see how they change 
uh, with Bitcoin. And also, obviously, a lot of users, uh, people who we onboard with our app. And, and I feel like that at the beginning, they see it as, okay, it's this internet money, maybe speculation, maybe digital gold, um, but all this kind of something around finance, right? But, but more and more, the more they get into it and people who also... OGs that I know that actually have been in earlier than me also. When you look at all these developments that they do, is you find that it has a more profound influence on so many aspects of their individual lives and therefore also on our society. I think like we we do develop in a different direction with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is like a virus that is spreading and we, we might not see it from today to tomorrow or from 2021 to 2022. But I think in, in the longer term, if you zoom out and look at the journey that, for example, I did the last six years when I was into Bitcoin or the journey that uh, people I know who are into Bitcoin for more than 10 years now, what they did and what happened in these 10 years for the whole society has, has profound implications on all these aspects that I, uh, that, I, uh, that I mentioned there. So culture, you know, community, it's, it's a way of life. It's, it's, people become actually more, even though their, their wealth uh, increases all, over time with, by having Bitcoin, paradoxically, they also get more uh, prone to saving. So even though they would have more, uh, buying power available, they do save more. Um, whereas with uh, fiat money, fiat rich people tend to spend more when they earn more. Um, so these 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 kind of things like lower time preference, you know, and and, and really um, uh, wanting wanting to save more, only spend st- uh, spend the money that you really want or need to spend in sp- instead of just getting rid of it because it otherwise it melts away, uh, f- f- uh, you know, because of inflation and negative interest rates stuff like that. This really changes you. I think it changes how how you look at um, at a lot of things. Uh, it, it's a culture because. Um, sometimes I also think it's kind of a cult, cult versus culture, you know, we, we are still the remnants, we are still very early, it's only like 1% of, of the, the, the global population is into Bitcoin, so it's kind of uh, the, the small small guys uh, trying to conquer the world with, with this, uh, this innovation, with this idea, uh, really believing, you know, we can change something, we can make the world a better place, we can, uh, we can get society and the financial system to the next level, and we can, we can um, integ- introduce sound money and solve a lot of problems uh, that come with it. So it's kind of a, and, and we meet in conferences and we have this logo, you know, we have our, uh, this, this is, it's like a, it's like a startup, it's like a culture, it's like a nation, it's like, it's, it's a myth that people gather around and, and uh, having the same mission, having the same vision, um, all around the world so that's why it's kind of also a culture you know it's it and it's therefore also a community because you know people who would have never met before they, they start meeting and they start chatting they they have the same topics and the same attitude um as said the same vision and so it, it, there's a, it's a global mostly digital virtual community that is building um with so many different you know uh, formats like podcasts conferences uh, all that kind of things. So it, it's just in, in, a, in a nutshell, Bitcoin is certainly more than money or like a financial phenomena because uh, it, it has deep implications to basically everything in the world uh, in the long run. Yeah, very well said. And I can 
resonate with a lot of what you said there. And it sounded like when you first got into it, like I first got into it because number go up, right? It's like, oh shit, you can make a lot of money with this. This is interesting. And it almost like tricks the people into participating uh, who have a desire to make more money, right? Like you, people go mm -hmm. in the Lambo buyers and the, and the watch desirers go in and then they essentially just get completely deprogrammed and they get realigned with an actual value set that the protocol reflects, which is like financial responsibility. Looking at uh, everything you buy now with an opportunity cost measured in sats mm -hmm. and what that can get, you know, like if you can, you can either spend a dollar today or you can hold that dollar and have 100x the purchasing power in 10 years. Like that's a new calculation, right? That's a new probability to work through. And I really think it does, you know, this, this way of life is really, I've found that when people take more responsibility for their financial literacy, they start taking more responsibility in other areas of their life. Like for their, I come from a background of working on the health problem and people seem to, to see like, okay, well, I can take more responsibility through understanding with my money. I can also take more responsibility through understanding with my health and actually, you know, my, my theory of how Bitcoin fixes health is that um, fiat steals your time. And when time gets stolen from you, health gets squeezed because it's the least important thing when it comes to like paying the rent, feeding your kids, keeping alive. It's like your health actually doesn't end up being a big priority. And that only happens because your time is getting stolen. And when your time stops getting stolen, you now have more time available to think about things like what you want to do with your life, how you can take care of yourself, what you act, what is actually important to you. So I really think that, you know, Bitcoin is very hard to change, but it is very powerful in changing the people who are involved with Bitcoin. Wow, um, well said. Good one. Yeah, and it, it's I like... like you, should I, out, you should tweet out this. Exactly. I, I should tweet that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think Bitcoin culture really fascinates me. I'm trying to... You know, like we're almost... Like you said, we're the remnant. We're the first few crazy people that were crazy enough to actually like dive into this and believe in it enough to with full conviction that we're essentially witnessing the Bitcoin culture evolve, right? It's almost like its own organism that is figuring out, you know, it does, it, it makes mistakes and it gets corrected. And then it, it kind of goes in all these different directions. But as a whole, there seems mm -hmm. to be like this core culture of, of, you know, that almost stems from the protocol, like openness, transparency, honesty, mm -hmm. uh, generosity with their time, right? Like, there's so many things about that. So yeah, I think that's why your tweet resonated then, with me. But then about this topic, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I sometimes try to bring up this critical point where I said culture versus cult. So what you describe is like, oh, we, we are building this new culture and then this yep. culture is kind of getting bigger and bigger. Whereas a cult is feels, I think from the inside, feels very similar. But from the outside looks very stupid, which yeah. we are kind of still in this phase where we could also be the flat earthers. We could sure. be flat earth 2.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the distinction between a cult and a culture? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the exact definition, but for, for me, it's like flat earthers are a cult. Like they, they also have this community aspect. They also have the shared vision. They think, you know, all, all of them believe the same thing. They're very enthusiastic about it and also hold conferences sure. and have... They're not grounded in reality, though. I think that's the distinction. <laughs> but they are very, exactly. They are very far from objective, um, you know, science and reality. Uh, yeah. Whereas a culture, um, yeah, it's basically, you, you nailed it. It's basically the same thing, but, but, but basically everybody can, or yeah, everybody can agree that it, it, in, it kind of makes sense. But still, money, like the, the Bitcoin, the money, the savings technology, the digital gold narrative is, is also a belief system. Sure. Money, money is a belief system. We believe in US dollar, that's why blah, blah, blah. Um, 
but all, you know now we kind of are still in the phase where this can fail i think because we're still so small there are some hardcore believers but in order to for, to be a global uh, settlement currency and, and savings technology way more people need to start believing in this and i don't know if we will stop at a point where flat earth is now with like 1 million uh, participants or i don't know or if we can really make the leap to make everyone believe in this and then it actually becomes a reality that bitcoin is the new money and the new savings technology yeah, well, I think my favorite approach is that um, we don't, Bitcoin doesn't become the world's money by telling pe people Bitcoin is better money. It comes by, like we just did a School of Coin episode and I wanted to record 21 podcast episodes that my mom could listen to and get a really good on-ramp for understanding. The one we just recorded is what is money? And we basically broke down money from first principles where it's like, did you know that objectively you can measure properties of money to determine if something is a good form of money or a shitty form of money? And what are the consequences of putting your wealth in a good versus a shitty form of money? My theory is that Bitcoin becomes the world's money when the world gains financial literacy and that the focus on, you know, it's almost like we have these squads in Bitcoin. We have the educators, we have the infrastructure builders. Um, and we have almost like the, the Michael sailors who are just like radical evangelists bringing on all mm -hmm. the, the, the players with a lot of, uh, power, current mm -hmm. power in the fiat system. And, you know, the funny thing about that is like the infrastructure builders are by default educators because education is the core limiting element to getting more people into this space. And so I think I I'm confident that the internet will help people become more literate in terms of finance. And especially as people start to feel that time squeeze of having their time stolen, they'll know that something isn't right. And I think we become, people become more open-minded to Bitcoin as they see the current system starting to fail and fracture. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. So I think, I think we need to be open and it seems like Bitcoiners are, we're intolerant to bullshit but we're very open to people who are curious. And I, I seriously think that that is the best way of being, right? And like the STOA, it, it, the, the project that is the Bitcoin STOA is a place to have conversations that welcome disagreement, but um, it's a place where we can disagree and be have disagreements with conviction saying like, well, this thing that has been created is that's masquerading as Bitcoin is not Bitcoin. This is why, therefore stay away from that. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to be to be really firm and intolerant of bullshit of of people who are starting projects maybe with good intentions but that aren't actually benefiting the world as a whole. And so um yeah, I mean it's Bitcoin culture is its own thing. We're building it actively as we speak. You're building it, I'm building it with the conversations we have and uh just in the few conversations I've had so far on this podcast, I'm very optimistic because mm -hmm. there's the smartest people that I've ever heard speak are building yeah. and educating in Bitcoin. And I've never seen a gravitational pull to something on a planetary scale where the smartest people who understand it are like, well, yeah, I'm going to work on that. It's, what I was working on is no longer as important yeah. because this is clearly, you know, the way I looked at it, I was trying to solve the health problem by giving people back responsibility for their health. But hierarchically, the money problem is actually what creates the health problem. So it's like, well, I'm just going to work on that because if I work on health and we have broken money, health cannot be solved. So um, anyway, I want to be sensitive with your time. We've got 10 minutes left. I got two rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, and you can have these answers be as long or as short uh, as you want. The first one is what is a big, what does being a Bitcoiner mean to you? Like, how would you define that? I'm trying to get a pulse on what people mean when they say, because I use the term Bitcoiner and I have my own subjective meaning of it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. What does being a Bitcoiner mean to you? I think being a Bitcoiner. So for me, 
being a Bitcoiner is if you identify with as a member of this community, right? And with all the values that come with it. So as you said, like low time preference, transparency, um, the next blank decentralized, global, neutral, open source, uh, censorship resistant form of money um, and, and kind of uh, fix the money, fix the world attitude. Uh, yeah. Also very libertarian. So all these, um, all, all these values that come with uh, the Bitcoin culture and Bitcoin community and Bitcoin way of life. Uh, if you identify with this and and kind of connect with uh, this scene on on meetups, on conferences, and you know just just are part of maybe Bitcoin Twitter, Bitcoin Telegram chats, whatever, and use these Bitcoin services and follow these Bitcoin people and listen to these Bitcoin podcasts. So being part of of this is for me being a Bitcoin, sharing this belief system. And, and engaging in some way, even if it's just giving likes <laughs> to cool tweets on Twitter, you know, it, just in some way engaging in this and, and trying to push this further um, is, is a part of Bitcoiner. And the more, the longer I'm into this, also in kind of the, the local Bitcoin scene in Switzerland and, and, you know, being an entrepreneur in this space, the more I also think the, this, the expression Bitcoiner is really uh, also um, uh, a synonym of, of Bitcoin only, like this Bitcoin only narrative. It's, only, it's something that only emerged probably in the aftermath of the 2017 ICO shitcoin bubble, where there was actually, uh, because before I, th I thought it was, uh, okay, there's Bitcoin, Bitcoin is, is and stays the king so far. But there's also all these other interesting projects. Let's see what's coming out of there. But after 2017, I think the narrative kind of changed from Bitcoin only versus all the other crypto stuff that gains a lot of mainstream attention, but is really not making the world a better place in any way. Um, it's yeah. just you know, short-term speculation and, uh, yeah. and making some people rich and some poor, but it's more like a Ponzi scheme, like this whole DeFi stuff. It's more like a Ponzi scheme than anything else. And, and Bitcoin really being the, the next uh, up, upgrade to money, the, the best money we've ever had in saving technology and making the world a better place. So that's why I would also count this kind of Bitcoin only attitude. And I think that's a very hard thing to understand. Um, um, like, why would you be so, why would you not be open to some other innovation and stuff? It, it can be, it can feel very maximalist, very toxicalist uh, um, to people, but I think it is, um, if you want to be called a Bitcoiner, you kind of need to be, uh, to, to a certain degree, a Bitcoin-only believer and believing that Bitcoin will scale with layer two technologies like Lightning and so forth, instead of uh, with, you know, sharding and other stuff on chain or bigger blocks or, you know, whatever. I think yeah. this is kind of the, this also belief system how this all will scale and turn out on from a technical and legal and societal and business point of view, an economic point of view, which is very complex. You people won't understand this in their first week. Right. Um, really, or their first year. <laughs> or their first year, or, or yeah. even you know, some people will never understand it, which is fine. Um, but, but to really uh, say I'm a Bitcoiner, I think this is part of it to really understand the Bitcoin only proposition. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that resonated with me about your answer was taking being active, right? Like there's a difference between just owning Bitcoin because you think it's a good tool and just acquiring it and that's it. 
uh, versus actively seeking to improve the Bitcoin space, to have a say, to propagate knowledge, to uh, to um, stimulate conversation, to be quite frank. Like even someone who's trying to orange pill their family or get their family to understand yeah. financial literacy, I think that's being a Bitcoiner. And I think everyone develops their own meaning for what being a Bitcoiner means. We're actually going to partner with an apparel company and make some stuff that's very simple, where it literally just says Bitcoiner on the back and everyone can have their own meaning. And I think that's cool, but I want to mm -hmm. find the common threads of what people subjectively feel it means to be a Bitcoiner. Mm -hmm. um, last mm -hmm. question, your grandfather or grandmother heard of Bitcoin, knows nothing about it. What is the first resource that you point them to? It can be a podcast, an article, a YouTube video, a book. Uh, what's the what's your like best newbie resource if you if you have one off the top of your head? Uh -huh. um, yeah, newbie resource. That's so. What I do now um, is I point them to Saifedinamu's uh, the okay. Bitcoin standard. Yeah, uh, quite clear because I think you know this just it is quite so. The advantage of this is really for those people who take the time and, and, and try to understand and read it through, those people are really, they, they do understand. Yeah. Uh, what it's a it, thorough resource. It's thorough, it's complete, and it, it really comes, it, it starts at the beginning, what is money? What is the history of money? And why is it the logical next step that Bitcoin will take the place of, like, why is Bitcoin money? Why is Bitcoin the money of 2000? Uh, of, of the 21st century and they understand the value behind it and they can uh, talk about it and they know um, that it is the, the digital goal like they 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 understand okay the gold standard worked very well um, and now we need something else like an upgrade to that and it's got it's just the bitcoin standard so overall this is a great resource that's what where i point them to the downside of it is it, it is kind of it takes a lot of effort to process because it's like 350 pages or something. And it takes some educational kind of level, I guess, to, to really um, understand the, the economic concepts and technical stuff yeah. and the historical it stuff. Takes a learner, it takes a learner's mindset where you have to be like, I'm, I'm buckling in, I'm committing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be open-minded to knowing that most of the stuff I read at first glance, I won't understand, but it's important enough that I work on this um, yeah, I think that's a really good resource suggestion. Yeah, uh, so, you... I think I would also like to have something that is right, basically that is um, the Bitcoin standard for dummies. Mm. And I think maybe Saifedin, if you listen to this, you should probably write something like that. Or well, we're so we're... Need to write something like that. It should some it should be something below 100 pages. Yeah. Um, and and just just the, the easy essence without without the, the 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 very interesting but kind of hard to process background on it. That would so be the perfect book, and I don't think that exists yet. Yeah, we're we're actually working to like at every conversation I have, I ask this question. So we've created on the bitcoinstore.com website, one of the menu tabs is learning protocols. And so what we're doing is we're creating five different levels. If you click on learning protocols, there's level one to level five. Each protocol has a book, a video, a podcast, and an article. And then we're essentially trying to curate um, these levels uh, so that people can work through them, right? Like a complete noob can go to level one. And I think it's the little book of Bitcoin and some like, you know, Gigi wrote a great article saying, dear family member, uh, if you don't have Bitcoin, this letter's for you. And like very simple, basic things. And then you can move to level two and it's more complex. And I think probably the Bitcoin standard is like a level three or four book, but each right. level has different learning mediums, depending on what people like to learn from, how they like to mm -hmm. learn. 
And we're going to constantly refine this over time with every conversation I have, because I think that's needed. And it's not something that I can create. It's not something that any single person can create. Our collective input from a shitload of Bitcoiners from different age groups and, and realms is what's mm -hmm. going to create a really good uh, on-ramp, really, like a, a, a list of five learning protocols. You start with level one, you get up to level five, and then you determine where you go from there. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're creating that. And thank you for that suggestion. Um, Julian, thank you for joining us at the Bitcoin store today. I'm, I'm really stoked to see, you know, keep watching what you and your team at Relay are doing and, can, and continuing to create to help build infrastructure for a Bitcoin world. Um, you mentioned that right now your app is available in Europe. Uh, if people are in Europe, how can they keep updated on what you do? So maybe give your coordinates, the coordinates for Relay, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll close it out. Thanks for your time. Sure. Thank you, man. It was really a pleasure. So yeah, you can you can find me and us. We are very open with all our, uh, you know, um, so, so we, we are on different social media. You can find me on, on LinkedIn, uh, Julian Liniger. You can find me on Twitter, obviously, uh, at Julian underscore Liniger. Um, and same handle for Telegram as well. And then uh, for Relay, uh, it's Twitter at Relay underscore CH. CH is for Switzerland. And, um, and uh, we do have, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the best. That's probably, the I mean, we have accounts on all uh, different social media channels. If you, if you still are on Facebook or if you're on Instagram or whatever we are, we are on there, you will find us. Uh, that's probably the best way to, to, yeah, to keep in touch and to see whether we will make it at one point to, to the U.S., Oh, well, with, with you at the helm i'm sure uh, it sounds like the team is in good hands so r-e-l-a-i.ch is your website correct yes exactly exactly okay yeah, perfect mm -hmm. so to everyone listening thanks for being here if you enjoyed the conversation you can support the project by heading to bitcoinstore.com sending some sass to the qr code on the homepage. julian thanks again for your time and everyone listening thanks for being here and uh ciao for now